Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo, where tattoo artists, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to come, share, uh, inspire each other, learn about art, and ultimately get better tattoos. This is Tattoo Machine Madness, uh, official episode number two with Tony Urbanic, and we are talking with Greg from Veritas Irons. It's going to be awesome. If you are interested in tattoo machines, then this is going to be awesome to tune into. Feel free to ask your questions in the chat room. Not sure where you're beaming in from. We have this going out on like YouTube and Facebooks and I think even LinkedIn sometimes. But the best place to always catch all of the live programming and the replays will be at the Reinventing the Tattoo app in either of the app stores. Pick your poison, either Google uh, Play or the Apple App Store. You can uh, do a search for Reinventing the Tattoo and download it or head straight to your browser. You can go straight to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. And again, we have all sorts of replays, including uh, lots of machine uh, talks with, uh, with Tony. And Tony also has an awesome build your own tattoo machine workshop that you can check out. It's uh, reinventingthetattoo.com slash, oh shit, build a tattoo machine or build your tattoo machine. <laughs> uh, if you go to courses.reinventingthetattoo.com, you'll see it right there. And it's a set of eight webinars that you will get the ingredients and you watch, you, you build it yourselves with hand tools, uh, files and whatnot. It's amazing. Okay. Um, but either way, uh, no matter what you're watching, whatever channel you're watching on, please tune in to the app. You could also go to the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, which is pretty new. So please give it a follow and share it with all your YouTube friends. And then we also are now up in the uh, podcast stores. Shopify has us up right now. Apple's a little lagging behind, but if you're watching a replay, I'm sure it's up there. So podcast stores, Reinventing the Tattoo podcast. And uh, again, that's brand new. So please share that with all your podcast loving friends um we have so many events that are in this schedule it's it's hard to keep up um we recently had an archaeologist yesterday we had a chemist um in the future we have uh, the philosophy of tattoos there's uh, reinventing drawing groups that happen every sunday at one and every monday at nine tattoo collecting podcast happens every thursdays at 11 and on Mondays at noon, we have Let's Talk Tattoo with Mark Scarbo from Needlejig. He just did an awesome interview with uh, Mike Chambers. You should definitely check it out. We've got 9 o'clock every Monday night. We have subscriber exercises. So if you are reinventing the tattoo subscriber, that means you have access to the full canon, which is the massive course that's uh, constantly updating. It's the, the book that's no longer in print. Again, guys, updating it you know, constantly. And it's been getting a full uh, refresh, too, as we go to new technology. Anyways, if you go to courses.reinventingthetattoo.com, then you can uh, check out the professional development section. It is well worth it. Um, so any events that I may have missed, I apologize, but check out uh, the event section on this community. You'll see there's tons of uh, upcoming things to do. There's also plenty of replays. And I do want to thank our sponsors for helping make this uh, free. So inkjetstencils.com, they uh, have this amazing setup where you do all of your reference on your either iPad as you normally would or your uh, computer, and then you can print it out from your printer. It's an EcoTank Epson, you put in the inks and it prints it out. It saves time, saves money, and it's actually pretty neat. A lot of people that try it out use it. Um, They're starting to hit up the conventions again. They do the free samples there. Uh, you can get free samples through us if, if you contact us, but uh, definitely check it out, inkjetstencils.com. 
Loose Screw Tattoo, uh, awesome tattoo shop, Richmond, Virginia. Jesse Smith is a, an amazing uh, tattooer, artist, entrepreneur, and shop owner. He's got, check this, it's a like, full-on like health, dental, uh, paid vacation, I think 401k options and shit. Um, it's a wicked busy shop, so make sure that you're awesome at black and gray and color, and you want to take people that come in, give them an awesome tattoo that's above and beyond. You have a lot of a whole amazing crew to learn from. And yeah, check it out. The uh, Jesse did a, a full webinar too recently, and uh, on the, in the app. But also, you can just check out any of his videos, any of his interviews, to get an idea of what uh, is working for him. Uh, Jesse Smith uh, tattoos on the on the on the YouTube's will get you all the interviews. And then loosescrewtattoo.com slash just go to loosescrewtattoo.com. You'll see join uh, the team up in the upper corner there in the navigation, and let them know that you found out about him on uh, reinventing. And then uh, rawpigments.co, uh, pigment company out of, uh, or any company out of California. And they are tapped right into the uh, places where you're getting, they're getting, the, everyone's really getting the, the pigments. Um, they, I believe they're acrylic free, vegan. You could check out uh, a recent call that uh, Lauren, who works there, uh, put together. It's a, a reinventing the tattoo uh, business conference call. And yeah, do a search for that. Or if you go to the, the reinventing channel, then you will catch all the replays. Okay, I gotta, I wanna get through this. This is uh, amazing. Thank you very much everyone for the support and for all of the uh, community members that are helping with the programming and, and other, like Tony and, and all the other shows that are happening. It's really awesome to, um, again, to have to, to keep chatting up everyone who's uh, helping us out. Um, if you check out the Equinox video, uh, you have uh, the opportunity to get a goodie bag for tattooers and it's not a trick to get you to, to watch a really awesome time with Android Jones. You can see it kind of playing here in the background and Aja Lu did a, a live soundtrack to it. Uh, it just happens to be the only place where the form for this goodie bag is. So if you go to reinventingthetattoo.com slash Equinox, sign up for your free ticket when you get the watch page, you could enjoy the, the full hour and a half. I, we suggest playing it big and loud. Um, but either way, you can check it out on your headphones and your iPhone too. Um, but the point is, you'll see the watch page. There's actually the full art jam, which has a guy interviewing a whole mess of amazing artists about visionary uh, artwork and tattoos, mostly tattooers, but also some straight up visionary painters. And then if you just keep scrolling down, then you will see the goodie bag page. Uh, if you have the app, then you can go to the, uh, the library videos and the Equinox link is right there. Boom. Okay, uh, so that's how to get the goodie bags. That's got some uh, cartridges from Cheyenne uh, tattoo equipment, as well as some raw pigments and other goodies that we end up getting in there before we send them all out. If you've already filled out the form, be patient. We're putting them all together. Okay, affiliates, Fireside Tattoo Network, check out their podcast and their YouTube channel. They're awesome. Jake's been doing shows here, and they're an awesome affiliate, The Apprenticeship Diaries, where uh, Amy Nichols talks to all sorts of apprentices and mentors, uh, primarily in tattoos, but also all sorts of uh, apprentice-mentor uh, relationships, and it's pretty awesome. I am going to get out of the way here. Please let us know how... It's playing for you where you're tuning in from. Again, share this out to your uh, friends and family that might find it valuable. And uh, thank you to Tony for hosting these and Greg for beaming in. I think all the tech is working. And uh, if you have questions or comments, leave them in the chat rooms and I will uh, try not to interrupt, but make sure that uh, everybody gets talked about. Okay, take it away, Tony, thank you. Hey, good morning, Machine Thumbs. How y'all doing today? Uh, thanks, Gabe, for the amazing intro. Um, I am back today for Machine Mayhem. 
where I will be interviewing different machine builders and artists that are masters of their craft. Um, today's my first one-on-one -on -one interview, and um, I picked a, a very good friend of mine. We go back pretty far. We were just talking. We both lost track today, somewhere around 2005-ish, back in the uh, Ink Nation days. It's got to um, be before that. Yeah, before that. Yeah, it has uh, to be. Yeah. You know, uh, we'll figure. Yeah, we'll guess. We'll we'll say we can say two thousand something. How about yeah. <laughs> anyhow? It, Greg's from Mister Blue Sky, um, tattoo in Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Uh, he, he owns a company called Veritas Manufacturing. Um, it used to be Veritas Machines, but it changed over what about seven years ago? Yeah, um, about that. When I, when I started actually making everything, <laughs> like you know, making, making everything myself, you know, and that's the right outside Atlantic city, New Jersey. Yes. Um, it, it, me and Greg met several years back online when we were both pretty new to machine building, at least I was, and, uh, we kind of gravitated toward each other and, um, he has a different style. It, 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 so I picked him as a, a nice contrast to talk about different angles, talk about life, talk about being a father, being a machine builder, running a business, being an artist, his journeys, his philosophies. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, Greg, you wanna tell us like about your humble beginnings with machines and your influences and whatnot? Let's get us going. Uh, well, I was a, uh... I, I, you know, I'm from Atlantic City, New Jersey. I grew up on Georgia Avenue uh, in a section of the city called Ducktown. Uh, when I was maybe 19, 20 years old, there was a, a tattoo shop that opened up in the neighborhood. It was Philadelphia Eddie's Tattoo. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started hanging out there, getting tattooed. And then uh, I was a bellhop at Howard Johnson <laughs> and like, you know, really? like whatever. You know, like I, and, and I remember something. going into the shop one day and the lady there was like, you know, when do you want to start apprenticing to tattoo? And uh, to me, I was like, I never even thought about tattooing as a thing that I could do. And uh, and then that was it. And then, um, you know, one of the first lessons about tattoo machines was here, take this Spalding and Rogers machine apart or, you know, take this, uh, you know, this, what was it, a swing gate, like a national swing gate or something apart and you know, right. and you got to put it that put it back together correctly, or you know, you're not going to be able to tattoo correctly. So, whole, so, how old were you about then? Uh, I was about, um, I think I was about 22, 23. Okay, and you're you're, how, you're how old now? 44. Yeah, to give just for reference. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fine. Okay. So, was it Eddie that that handed you your first national kit? No, no, no. It was a. Uh, it was a a guy uh, a guy named Petey. Petey. and uh and and he he was uh he was uh Buffy Herman's uh, boyfriend at the time. Um, uh, just to just to fast forward just slightly that that apprenticeship didn't end well, <laughs> as many many <laughs> apprenticeships in that shop did not end well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it was like the first thing that really sparked my interest in uh, making tattoo machines. It's you're making something that makes something. You know, and right. if you don't make them correctly, then you're not going to tattoo correctly. So in my mind, it was, uh, it was, I was 
completely fascinated with them, completely obsessed with them from day one, from Jump Street, you know. And that's why, you know. Did you have um, any background in any any sort of mechanics, like coming from a bellhop? You just went straight into tattooing? No, nah, I mean, like I was, you know, pretty much 100% skateboarder back then. Like yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I rode for, you know, I was on, on a flow for pal skateboards and skating all the time since I was a little kid. I grew up in Atlantic city skating. Um, so, uh, I had little, very little mechanical knowledge. I mean, the as far back as I can remember, I was taking stuff apart and putting them back together. Like my first guitar, I completely ruined because right. I took it apart and put it back together. And that's when I was like 10 years old. Uh, my, you know, my dad was pretty handy. He was, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he was a mechanic, he was a carpenter, you know what I mean? Like he's taking right. stuff apart, putting it back together. We're, you know, we we're on the job, you know, we, uh, you know, we were building houses and stuff. So, you know, you know, putting things together was, it, it wasn't second nature to me. It was like, there was a huge learning curve for me, but uh, it was something that I wasn't uh, unable to do. You know, like I was, you know, whatever it was, putting it together, taking it apart. I was always interested in how uh, things worked. All right. You know, like how it's made is like my favorite TV show of all time. Right. Yeah. Like every Sunday, that's like all I do is watch that. You know. So, moving forward, when did you build your first machine, handcraft, from like just scratch, or like how did your process begin? Like how did you dive in? Like the obsession. So I, I know, like, do you have like an obsessive personality? Like once you get involved in something, like with the skateboarding or with tattooing or with machines, you just dive in full head on and just I don't know. I, think, it. I think like what people would call obsession, I call focus, you know, like okay. I'm extremely focused on the things that I wanted to accomplish. Okay. And, uh, so I kind of had an idea that I would, you know, I wanted to make tattoo machines every single way that I could. Uh, so in the beginning, I guess like, you know, all credit due to, you know, workhorse irons and, and, uh, and Soba, and you know all those dudes like i bought like a i bought a kit from you know like a, a build-it-yourself kit from uh from workhorse irons and it was a soba pilot and i put that thing together and it was uh it was funny because i remember the ad saying like you know like skills or mojo not not included or something like that and i thought <laughs> that, like, you know you know like kind of cocky to say that shit and i was like oh well i'm just gonna show these dudes you know like whatever you know like you know like <laughs> it's just like you know and then like i put the thing together and like i forgot to take the enamel off the the wire yeah. <laughs> I soldered it. yeah it's the first <laughs> so it's like the first, the first lesson like, oh, you, get, yeah. you know moment of truth like when you you first click the put the clip cord in and you know it's either running or it's not running <laughs> it just goes click yeah the thing is not running so yeah. it's just like what the fuck happened and like i don't know how i figured out that like you have to take the enamel off but uh, I figured it out somehow, desoldered it, put it back together, and that thing, it ran pretty cool, but uh, that was, like, the very beginning, um, but the first, you know, like, I went through, I mean, it was kind of a slow thing, too, because I didn't have any tools, I didn't have a place to work, right. you know, so I was just kind of just assembling stuff and whatever, but uh, I remember there's a dude, um, he used to, he used to sell stuff under, he, he owned, like, uh, a machine shop in Morristown, uh, New Jersey, and his name was Eddie Zoll. And Eddie Zoll had uh, something called UMW, United Machine Works or something like that. And right. as far back as, as far as I can tell, he had machines made, I think like Mitch Perkins, who's another tattooer here in South Jersey. 
he might have made some shapes and stuff for uh, Mitch Perkins. They were fully CNC. They were made out of ductile iron. They're very nice, very nice frames. And uh, I'm I'm not certain, but I think maybe Schwagert had some stuff done too, or Schwagert was building on those back then. Uh, yeah. I'm I can't confirm that, but um, I've seen some stuff that he built, and it was like on those Eddie's all uh, frames. But um, you know that guy used to sell them on eBay for like I don't know, like I don't know, maybe I, f- I forgot how much, like maybe fifty bucks or something. Yeah, I like remember that. back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had like a weird looking dial thing, like a dial. Uh, he had like a, a a walker he had some cool stuff but at that time you know i was like fully obsessed with like aaron kane and like biomech and stuff so right <laughs> you know i'm like shredding these frames like yeah. shredding them with a dremel you know like completely destroying frames and i made a bunch of those and sold them and they were good because they were frames that were pre-made and stuff like that um you know i'm using coil cores from uh you know well-known sources and stuff like that like you know sure. you're, you're sourcing your stuff from people that you're just building machines but the aspiration to build machines and sell them was like a big deal for me you see like these dudes you know Seth Safari, bj johnson uh aaron kane they like pulled all their resources and made you know one of the biggest you know tattoo machine companies in history if right. not the biggest and uh you see that stuff it's like you know like you know i'm not I'm not a hater. I take notes, you know, like, you know, like, you know, so I'm trying to move forward doing that in my own little way, but I was very insecure about it too. Like, you know, like you're making machines and if they don't work, then you're a terrible machine builder. Am I right? So it's, you know, that was kind of the beginning is just doing that. Uh, but, uh, as far as like making my own stuff, I think it was around 2006 or seven. Uh, I stumbled upon some little website, uh, called e-machine shop and they had, you know, CAD uh, software. It was very simple to use, very easy to use. And I made a bunch of parts and the, in, in the software, uh, there was a little price uh, function where you could get a price and get stuff sent out and they'll take your design when it's finished and correct. And they'll send you back parts, you know, for whatever fee. So I had a bunch of shit lasered. I had no idea what I was doing. And then, you know, uh, you know, a, a couple weeks later, all this stuff arrives and I have no idea. Yeah. There's yeah. That was, that was, uh, that's not one of the first ones, but that's, that's very close, you know? Yeah. That's when I was like, you know, figuring out stuff, lasering stuff. Um, and it was fun and it was fun because it was like, I'm making stuff that's like my stuff, you know? Yeah. Look at like the slotted holes to, for like adjustment. Cause I didn't know shit. Yeah, I was still trying to figure out geometry and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying. I didn't have a jig. Those are MIG welded with like, you know, like one of those, like, well, one of those welding magnets. Yeah, right. it's like insane. Like I had no, like no, no idea what I was doing. And this is before, this is before we actually met making these things. Right. That's like one of the first incarn- incarnations of those machines. That's well, a solid um, machine. I mean, for your first, your, 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 I don't know, what would this be? This is like probably that, those ones right there. Cause I think I made different ones that were like that, like the same shape, but like updated. Those are probably the second run of things that I had lasered uh these are different and of course like i had no way to like mill out um you know a coil deck so uh making a a tube vice to a coil deck i i thought it would be a good idea to have you know this little standalone part that would act as the tube vice and then just weld it on right it's the method that i use to this day and uh I've, i've never really seen uh too many people doing that um maybe i don't know it's just something i'm so familiar with like you know i could I could like make a solid piece and then mill it down 
I have the capability to do it now, but it's, it's, uh, it's how I've been doing it for all this time. So that's the way uh, I still run it. But yeah, uh, getting back to like the CAD thing, like, you know, learning how to draw stuff on CAD was, was a big deal to me. Like, I didn't know anything about it. And it, that, that program made it kind of easy. I know there's like really, you know, really nice CAD programs and, you know, stuff that's like, you know, you could use, but the end result is the end result. If you're making a 2D uh, part, then, you know, using this simple little, uh, little program to design your parts worked out great. I mean, at least for me anyway, I don't know anybody else that used it, uh, but it was, uh, I was just trying to, you know, trying to do stuff that was like my shit, you know, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, like, what's the point of your way? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the point of being an artist and all this stuff? There's, there's like, and, and don't get me wrong. You like, you borrow along the way and all that stuff, but like, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly searching for your own identity in everything you do. If, if that's the way you are, I mean, I think that's the way I kind of always was. I always kind of felt like an outsider and everything. Uh, so feeling like an outsider in tattooing and especially machine building, I was very, very insecure and very, uh, you know, very, uh, kind of scared to like show people what I was doing. So I kind of could fly under the radar. I kind of do the same thing now. Like I pretty much, I fly under the radar, Yeah. you know, like I don't really like to put myself out there too much, but I was going to say just, when you, when you put yourself out there, you're subject to criticism. So it just depends on you, how you cope with that criticism moving forward. Um, yeah. I think at first I was like real kind of, you know, kind of bugged out about being criticized, but now like I embrace it. Like I really don't have a problem with, uh, somebody saying, oh, you should do this, or maybe you did this wrong or something like that. I think Probably. it all comes with maturity and like growing up. And I mean, I mean, like when you're, you know, some, you know, four year punk ass tattooer, like, of course, you're going to be like, fuck you guy, you know, but now it's like, you know, I can see like, you know, like when, when you're, when you're speaking to somebody who has more experience than you and they're, they're speaking from their heart and they're telling you something that you need to hear, uh, the, the best possible thing you could do is, you know, open your ears and listen, you know, so right. now it's different. And now it's like, I, I fly under the radar because it's like, you know, like, I don't know, like, that's just how it is. Like, I don't really care. Like, you do it for you. You know, I'm only concerned with what oh, I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, not that like, you know, I don't pay, I pay attention a little, but I don't, you know, the, the main goal is to like, you guys there? Oh, would you? Oh, yeah. you did oh um, the main goal is to like, uh, make the machines. Selling them is like, cool, but like, you know, I'm obsessed with like, making them you know yeah so, Steve, you have a bunch of different new styles i haven't seen in a long time on the page gabe just pulled up oh yeah yeah it's funny i have a ton of those sitting right next to me too <laughs> like, like i got the same machine what is like, the oldest like, thing you have with you yeah i have some with me yeah what's the but, oldest? Uh, these are like these are last years i haven't really updated that in a while right. uh and you know this past this past winter Oh, well, I mean, to say, to, you know, this, this whole year has been insane to say the least. I think everybody knows that that doesn't need to be said, but, sure. uh, one of the things for me was, uh, you know, like I got stuck doing crazy walk-ins since like July and it was like crazy busy in the shop and I'm, you know, losing it, trying to like, you know, do all these walk-ins and stuff. So in December I had enough and I took like a whole month off and just built machines. And in that month I produced a lot of cool stuff. And uh, I'm still like working on a lot of stuff. I don't get to, you know, there, there isn't any real assembly and, and building and tuning right now. It's just making parts, you know, I've just been making parts, you know, manually and stuff. And uh, it, it brings a great, it, it brings great satisfaction to me to, 
to make the best possible stuff that I can make without, you know, having to use CNC and stuff or, you know, laser and sure. everything handmade now, or, you know, at least like as close. I'm just using what I have. I've always just used what I have. Well, that's what you have. Sure. Yeah. You know? It, I've seen you grow through the years and update your tools and expand and learn more. And you've taught me a lot. Um, I, I remember when you first started um, plating and oh, I, yeah. you up and I was like, Hey, how do you do this? Oh yeah. Plating stuff. I remember when you bought your mill. Yeah. Your big. Oh, mill. I had that. Yeah. Plating stuff was crazy. Cause like, I mean, in this day, I mean, all you have to do is just like, all you have to do is look on the internet. You find sure. You know, pretty much anything and uh i didn't have like a plating kit i just tried to figure out how like i bought like a radio shack power supply <laughs> you know and i'm like alligator clips that are just deteriorating in the fucking yeah. <laughs> you know a couple rods and nickel from the metal supply and you make a cathode and and you know you in your anode and you're like you know breathing in cat piss like nickel stink and probably <laughs> probably cancer from that shit now you know like but it was hilarious. I like making this stuff. And like, I remember, oh, dude, I remember this, man. It was so fucking great. Like, I remember uh, plating uh, this machine and you're checking it out and you're just going like this. You're like, you're like, you're like, what the fuck is this? It just looks like stainless steel. You start, <laughs> you start rubbing off the plating and I'm like, oh, like, fuck. look, it's just, look, it's just coming off. <laughs> it's like, oh, fuck, man. So that was like, that was a big deal for me because it was like, you know, like I was all proud of it, but then like, you know, you know, your heart sinks when like someone. I'm sorry, I ruined the moment for yeah, you. Yeah, it's great though because it's like, yo, <laughs> yo, man, fucking get some, get some acetone, clean oh. off your surface, buff that surface clean, make sure it's nice, and then plate it. You know, you got to yeah. make like I, I found out like you had to make like a copper strike plate first or something like that. And I think that was the thing. It was sticking, but it wasn't staying, you know? So yeah. if you, uh, there's this thing, there's a stuff you can get. It's like, it's called root kill, I mm. think. And uh, man, this is years ago. Like you go to Home Depot and get these little crystals. They're like, uh, I think it's copper, copper sulfate. Copper, and yeah. And you take oh. copper sulfate and mix it in a solution of warm water. And then anything that you rub, like if you rub steel with this copper sulfate solution, it will turn the finish copper. Yeah. So like if you do that first, like, you know, the, the, the nickel can only stick to copper. It won't stick to steel. Uh, so, and there's other, there's other factors that play come into play that I never really got to like do. There's like the temperature of the solution, all this stuff. But uh, right. I didn't know that like you had to, you know, uh, copper basically, you know, rub the whole thing with copper so that it'll stick to the copper. So a lot of that stuff was like falling apart. I, I guarantee you there's machines out there that just look like total shit now. You know, just like just rub them all off and all, you know, like rub the rub the, the plating right off. There's people that that gives you know, it a cool look though. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's not my, my intention was to make it nice and clean and 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 cool looking, but uh it's funny that like, you know, I mean I mean you think about all the stuff that you tried and 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 failed at and like failure is your true master, you know, like if you you try to do stuff and it doesn't work out, you could quit. Or you just keep going and trying to figure it out. And that's kind of how I rolled. Like, I was like, I'm just going to keep trying to figure it out, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. There's like a bunch of, there's a bunch of videos and, you know, there, I, I don't think there's like, there's, there's only been like two finished machines this whole year. It's just making stuff like. So talk, you know, talk about this video you got going on. You're, I see you're making a dial. 
Okay, so I'm making uh, I'm making like kind of a dial and a J frame sorted together. Now these um, are stacked plates, so you can make multiples, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a jig that I made um, a while back, and you you put like ten uh, eighth inch uh, by you know three inch uh, wide plates in there. And what I do is like I can um, well I'll just give you the short version of it. Like you know, sure. for instance, like you know. Like if you look at this, there's a, a, this is basically the design of like a little walker that I'm doing. It's a shorty walker. Yeah. Uh, I'll be making these next week. So I take this design that I made in CAD, you know, on this, this dumb CAD program that I have that I've been using for like, I don't know, 15, 16 years, however long. And uh, you print it out and then you transfer that, uh, you transfer that pattern from the paper to the piece of metal so that like you could dial in you can indicate exactly where um you can indicate exactly where that uh you know that end mill is going to land yeah and then in doing that like i have you know i have a crappy mill i have like a it's like a you know like a harbor freight mill drill or something like that it's like the only thing i have room for you know it's like it's still pretty diesel like it's a it's a it weighs about eight, you know, 700 pounds or something but uh is that the little bench top like i have too no 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 no. it's it sits on i was gonna say <laughs> mine yeah, would never like, be able to push that no no but it's it's a good mill and if you can yeah. find them i don't think they make them anymore but it's a good mill uh for doing what we're doing but i mean i, I mean I don't, I don't think it needs to be said that if i had the room and the power for like a bridge port you sure. know like, you could get the job done so much easier like you know there's guys that have those that like you know i'm very envious of uh and i would love to have something like that but i don't have the room for it so uh and i don't have the power for it like because i know that you, you need way more power you need like a line drop yeah, like your one two phase yeah so uh so basically uh what i did was like I, facebook marketplace that's where i got the mill or no i got the mill off craigslist but facebook marketplace was great because uh you know i found a bridgeport like a 15 inch bridgeport rotary table like a huge rotary nice. table so yeah. that you can make like you can make radius cuts but yeah, they're so, not. Uh, I figured out, uh, you know, that like I went to go get this thing. This thing weighed at like 200 pounds or 150 pounds. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy heavy. I threw my back out trying to get it on my mill bed. Uh, it was insane. So uh, I have this thing now, and uh, you know, you you dial it in, you know, you center it, and then you start to like, and then you know, when you're making like a radius cut, mm -hmm. you know, you indicate once you indicate uh the center of the mill to the center of the center of the end mill to the center of the uh the rotary table then you can indicate you know you know just drop your your mill you know in the in the center of the the in the center of like the the radius where the cut is and then you know then you can make these sweeps you can make these cuts um i feel like it's like i feel like it's like like it's almost like it, it like amish people had like electricity like that's how i'm rolling i mean <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like so basic, but it's so fun yeah. to figure out. Oh, like, you know, you're making these, you're making these, uh, yeah, you're making these splines and stuff, and you're making these these cuts, but you're really only working within the parameters of what's available to you. And I think that was, I think it's fun. Like, I think it's fun to try to figure this stuff out. I mean, I can very well, right. like, you know, design some stuff in 2D or 3D, have it sent out, have perfect parts, 
and uh and that's something that a lot of people do and i'm i'm not a hater on that i think it's a i think it's a good way to make machines if you're wanting if you try to make like very precise things which we're all trying to do that but to try to accomplish that same thing the way that i'm doing is like uh it's it's not it's like a lot of people don't do it and uh it's for good reason because it, it it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and um uh, I'm not sure that I have a lot of time and I'm definitely not that patient, but when I'm focused on something, I'm focused on it. And right. I, th I think it's fun. It's more fun for me to do it. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if it's like some kind of, uh, it's, you know, it doesn't relax me at all. It no. makes me insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there has to be a balance there. You know, it, when I build machines, I do it very primitive and it's very therapeutic. Yeah, I'm not, it doesn't, it's not therapy for me. But there, there is that it, line. There is that line. Like you mass produce your parts, not like mass quantity, but you do like you'll do. Yeah, how yeah. Many. I mean, typically, I don't make more than ten of anything. But I've I mean, seen you. Side, I only make ten of them. Oh, I I did X amount of base plates a day. I did X amount of spring shelves. Personally, I can't work that way. I have to do one machine at a time, front to back, and painted, put out, bang. Yeah. I have a really hard time doing what you do. And I could, I could understand. Yeah. There's a handful. That's not yeah. 10 dude. That is not. Oh, well that's 20 then. Well, but, but the thing is, all right. Well, the thing about that was I could fit two images on one three inch by eighth inch piece of metal. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. all you have to do is just, you take that stack out and you flip it and you, you make the same cut. I go cut by cut, Yeah. you know? So yeah, like, you know, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, I mean, I'm talking about like sides and stuff like so like they'll only be like, you know, they'll be like 10 of these little Jonesies, you know, and that's it. Maybe like I made like be for the run or eight steel and like I made like two brass. So there'll be like a couple brass, you know, but if you if you see a machine that I made, there's like, you know, there might be some that were there's more than 10, but it's not it's not too many shapes, right. you know, and plus like, you know. I don't, I don't want to like order 50 of one side. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like, I make, I make, I make stuff. I, I you know, an idea pops in my head and I'm like, all right, well, I'm immediately going to my crummy you laptop. Just, you just make it. it out, trying to try to figure out a shape. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut it. I'm going to spend like my whole day cutting these 10 pieces, Yeah. you know, like, it's not something I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to whack this out in an hour, yeah. you know, like I'm, sitting no. out a lathe making like you know making uh you know making coil cores yeah and making you know uh you know making binding posts and stuff and you're sitting there all day man it's not like yeah. you know you're sitting there and the the lathe is doing it for you <laughs> you know what i mean no, but it's I like understand. yeah it's a process i mean like i don't know maybe like running a marathon is, is therapeutic to some people but it's it seems like it's a pain in the ass to me <laughs> like, you know that's like that's how i feel like i'm like you know running this marathon you know i don't know i don't know why i don't even know why that's what like you said that's why it's called tattoo machine madness because it's madness so like you have to have your fucking head examined to like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like for real <laughs> you know? i call it obsession yeah, call yeah. It focus i call it focus that's that you know that's like any but it's anybody a, that has like any kind of mental health issue has this, you know, 
<laughs> rational, uh, <laughs> rational explanation for the way that they're doing it. They're like their method. Oh, it's it's focus. Like yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. you're just fucking crazy. I feel oh, crazy. Well, yes, it's great. That sums like, it up in a nutshell. You know, like I, you know, I find, you know, I find. Uh, <laughs> What is it? You find, diagnosis uh, you, find, you find peace and solace in the center of the storm. And that's kind of like, you know, how I feel like that's that's how my whole life is. Right. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I can, I can relate. Yeah, I can relate. That's your little bit of focus. Yeah. It's fun, man. I don't know. Like, I don't sell a lot. You know, it's not like I'm yeah. doing it for the money. It's just fun. Right. Like, making yeah. tattoo machines is fun and that's what it's always been i mean there's been times where like i've you know had distribution all over europe and had distribution in america and you know sure. uh big time you know you know people wanted to sell machines for me but you know that's over and i'm still doing it you know like sure. it's, it's 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 not about the money for me i mean it's it's fun to sell them but it's fucking nerve-wracking too like you know like if yeah, it's a lot of pressure to build yeah. in quantity we, we've had that conversation through the years where there was a flip-flop in the way I did things and then it kind of torched past to you and you got caught up in that same momentum when we were doing mass distribution when we were selling through Kingpin oh yeah yeah and then through yeah. some European countries like we were getting orders we were doing you know 50 100 machines a month yeah and just the love was ripped out of you it wasn't that one-on-one -on -one. you're just doing productions and you're making them as fast as you can and you want to talk about that eye of the storm we were just in the storm and there was a, we didn't even get to the eye yet it was just chaos yeah it was no it was, it was fun but it was a different time i remember this uh i remember you making all these steampunk machines the the, the gears and all that stuff and they're really really cool i think like you leaned more towards like the bernard uh sort yeah. of uh bernard's garage bernard's sort garage. of look and a lot of guys did, you know, sure. um, I kind of like, you know, like I, I, I was very heavily influenced by you uh, with a lot of stuff. Um, but one thing that I really I remember you making all these one offs and stuff. And I remember saying to you, um, you know, I really like making like production runs of stuff. And you were like, well, why? Because it's it, it sounds crazy to have to do the same thing over and over again. And then I kind of was like, well, the challenge is to, to, you know, make something over and over again and have every single one of them be perfect. Recon. And, uh, you know, that repetitive motion, uh, you know, like repetition is the path to mastery in my, in my opinion. Um, so like for me to, uh, to keep making these machines over and over, making the same thing over and over, it just meant that I was, you know, you know, trying to attain perfection, even though like we all understand that like perfection is just an illusion. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a fool's errand. <laughs> you know, like you just keep making, 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 making stuff, you know. Uh, the one-off for me, and, and like, I, and, and I, 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 don't, I don't really agree with like losing uh, any love for it back then. I think I was in love with, you know, making the same tattoo machine over and over again, just as much as I'm in love with making, I, I think I love it more now. Because right. I understand how easy it is to not easy, but it's like, you know, there's a there's a certain amount of skills that get put aside when you're just like getting them lasered or getting them CNC'd. And it's it, it trust me, that shit is all great. I think anybody who's making machines, as long as they're great machines, make them, 
who even cares? You know, like right. do what you got to do. But to me, like, uh, like I really, you like, you have to love it now. Like there's no other, you know, like there's no other option to like make them, anybody making them handmade knows that like, you know, it's a lot of work, you know? And, uh, yeah. and to me, it's like, uh, you know, you know, I got, I mean, I might have better things to do, but you know, I, I'd rather just be doing this, you know, it's fun. I know like I'm, I'm, I might go back to like making stuff laser cut again or making it, uh, you know, using CNC or something, you know, like, you know, fully CNC milled frames or, uh, you know, production runs of, uh, of coil cores, armature bars, you know, all the like major components, uh, binding posts. I might go back to that. Who knows? But yeah. for now, this is what I enjoy doing. And like, you know, I'm not, you know, you know, I'm not really, you know, it's like, I'm not real concerned about like what's going on. I'm only concerned with like, you know, making my machines the best way that I can make them. Sure. Yeah, and it, it shows in everything that you do. And it, like I said, I've, I've seen the way you've evolved and changed your styles and your approaches and how you've developed your skills through the years. And it's amazing. Refined, refined, refined. Refined, yeah. That's refined, what we refined, refined. That's what my mentor always told me. Yeah, very polished. We and you're always polishing. And I see, yeah. I, I see that in your work. Now, yeah. one of I the try, machines man. that I thought was... It was really, um, it's, I grew up appreciating like exotic woods and fine woods and craftsmanship with woods. And, and I think that plays out into the materials as well, different materials like steel, brass, whatever. And right. I love the incorporation of different techniques. Like Ernie Della Peruto was, he was amazing with that, like bringing the wood into the metal, almost like mm -hmm. knife working. I think he was one of the first guys doing that. It was mind-blowing the way he would roll those pins together and whatnot. Right. And then you came out with this one machine, and it was like an interlay. Oh, yeah, the dovetail thing. Dovetail. Yeah. I thought for the time was like, that That was it, man. I was like, this guy's like, he's, he's, he's got something going on. Because I haven't seen anybody do that with steel let alone a tattoo machine. So I was oh, yeah, blown like, away know. by the craftsmanship here. And you can see the dovetails. Yeah. Where he, he puzzled everything in. Well, they, they, they say uh, necessity is the mother of invention. And uh, the reason for the dovetails is because I had no idea how to make a jig. Like, there's no tattoo machine guys around me. There's nobody showing me the right or wrong way to do it. So uh, now, did you make these? Or were these CNC through? Oh no, they were definitely lasered. Yeah, they were they were lasered with two D. Uh, I, I so designed you laid all it all out and. Yeah, and it's like there's there's something like you don't like you know you don't really there's no like prototype or anything. It's just like uh, like you're just um, you you you're, you're ordering fifty of these things and hoping they all hoping work. they work. Trying <laughs> yeah, to find a year on these, you know, I don't think you you're put taking a big gamble, you know. I don't think you but, put uh, a year on these ones. So 2010 even... or 11? Yeah. 10 or 11, I think. And there it, was you, ones before those, too. You were the first guy doing this. Oh, yeah. I, you well, were definitely the first guy doing this. Hold on now. I, was I, know one, I was the first one to do that, but uh, I definitely borrowed that, like, interlocking thing. I think, like, I think uh, Soba, BJ Soba Johnson, mm -hmm. that cat had... Uh, he had this this machine called the Arrow or something like that, and if you look at like that one, that's kind of like it's like a 
you know, it's a combination between a Walker and a Jonesy. Like it's got those Jonesy binding posts okay. um, or any of them. Like you can see how they interlock and the binding posts are uh, on the side. Like you can see that one little tab that goes in between um, in between those uh, those binding posts. And I thought it was crazy how perfectly that little tab fit between the two binding posts. Um, and then I think I've, I feel like that machine was like a bolt up frame, you know? So I got to give props to that guy because uh, that was like that little spark that, you know, ignited this thing to, that made me like, you know, want to do that, just that, that way, you know, that, that, uh, that design and stuff. And I ran with that for like a minute. And then, um, you know, and I thought it was cool and I sold a bunch of them and they were great. They're good, solid machines. But like, again, like I didn't know shit about having a jig and like, you know, making sure that like my fixture was correct before I welded it and all this stuff. Yeah, I was they, trying to find one. parts interlocked together and it, the frame was its own jig. That was the idea, right. you know, but there were many, there were many, like, you know, I had to weld that frame from the inside. It was right. You know, I, I had been TIG welding for like a little while and it was a lot easier than MIG welding to me. I like, I was never really good at brazing. So, uh, you know, I had to build, you know, it's like you make this thing that's its own fixture, but then you have to build a fixture to build that's this thing. thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was like I had, to, that was like the first, the first jig or fixture that I had to make was for those dovetail frames. And it was because, you know, the look of the dovetails on the outside. It's like, you know, they interlock together. It's on the outside of the frame. Yeah, you don't want to So I'm like, well, you can't weld the outside because it'll look stupid. Yeah. You know, like to have this, you know, to have this like wonderful, you know, interlocking thing and like have it look cool and then weld over it is dumb. So yeah. I had to weld Brutal it from effort. the inside. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I had to, like, I make these things and like, you know, hindsight's 2020, but like, you know, you don't, you're not thinking about like, oh, I'll just weld these things up. No big deal. And, uh, you know, I had to make this like fixture to, to weld them from the inside. And uh, that was a complete and total pain in the fucking ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, that's how you learn, yeah. you know? And uh, the thing that broke the spell on, uh, you know, that broke the spell on the dovetail thing was I went out to, I must have gone out to a meeting of the marked and, uh, and I met Tim Azinger. He was super, mm -hmm. super nice. He's a great friend to this day. Love that dude. Yep. Meeting of the Mark was uh, certainly uh, one of the absolute best tattoo shows in the country at that point. Yeah, that's um, for people that don't know, that's the iconic. Um, the oh yeah, like conventions like convention. you know twenty something, you twenty, you know twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven years old. See, I every have a, big name dude knows about every every person worth their salt knows about. Nineteen ninety two was the yeah, first one. It was it was so good, and you know, I met Tim and I hung out with you. We we went, we went to breakfast. And uh, then we went to your shop and we went in the basement and there's parts and shit scattered everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> this is All like, right. you know, this is exactly how I want to be living. Parts and shit scattered <laughs> everywhere. And if you look in my, in my shop now, that's exactly how it is. It's controlled chaos, I guess. Yeah, Which is another sure. like, you know, another device you could use to, to say that like you're a hoarder. <laughs> yeah. to avoid saying it like oh it's controlled chaos no dude you're a fucking hoarder get rid of some shit and clean up a little bit you got metal chips that are like ankle deep in this motherfucker explaining away metal disorders once again Thank exactly you. anyhow we went in there That's and not I remember you showing me i remember you showing me a very simple way to make a jig mm. uh and you said never show anybody this mm -hmm. never and i think i showed maybe one person 
and in that time I've seen people make that same jig and post it on the internet yeah. countless times. Um, you know, just giving it away. But I mean, it's a, uh, it was that, that one jig, the, the two coil cores and the two A bars. That's simple. <laughs> so simple. And like, it's the method that I use to this day. And, uh, yeah. and um, once I learned that there was no need for the dovetail. Right. That's why I was like, all right, that's over. You know, like dovetail shit is over. Yeah. I'm doing this now. And I think uh, I just went shopping in your, in your basement. And I took a bunch of like, you had all these beefy J frames and yeah, you know, all these rod, <laughs> like so much fucking sick, like rot, like laser cut Rogers, yeah, uh, you know, sides and bars, like cores, and, and all this shit. Yeah. And I was just like, I remember looking at you, and you look at you're look. I'm like, I'm just taking these, and yeah. you looked at me like, dude, like you can't take all. I'm like, I'm taking them. <laughs> <laughs> like, these are mine now. <laughs> and I was like, these are mine. I'm taking these. And then I made, I think I made like this huge J frame. I wish I still had it here. Uh, I have it somewhere. Huge, beefy, crazy J frame with this long geometry. Yeah, crazy long. Long A bar, slappy as fuck. And I'm, I made one of those <laughs> things, and it was like my daily shader. It had yeah. pink foil coils. I remember that. It was like they're like real hot pink, and yeah. it was like a oil blackened frame. And uh, I wish I had a picture of it. Maybe if I find it, I'll, I'll post it on uh, my Instagram or something. But um, that thing slapped so hard, like holy shit, man. And then uh. And that was it. That was it for me. And like, I was like, that's it for the, for the dovetail thing. And I was, uh, I started cutting stuff for a while. I was cutting frames and like cutting sides anyway, and trying to, trying to make some handmade stuff. It yeah. was tough though. I only had a drill press, you know, and yeah. like, you know, like a crappy bandsaw, the crappy bandsaw that I still use to this day. But, uh, you know, and like, I, I didn't know much, but I knew that there was like, that was a turning point for me to go from you know, it, it to me in my head, like it legitimized something. That I was like, oh, okay, now I can make this jig. This is the first jig, and then and, and I'm making this, and now I can make these things because of this jig. And to me, it sort of legitimized it in my mind. Yeah. You know, like it, it made it more legit, legitimate to to be able to make these machines uh, in, a, yeah, in, a, in a more your, precise manner. Changes you know? your perspective. It, it it shifts your perspective, and it opens up doors for your create creativity so it takes you in another direction oh like yeah yeah you close the door yeah. on the dovetail you did that and then you stepped into a new direction oh and dude I, I just i wear shit out evolution i mean like i made i made only shorties for two years straight yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was just recently like a couple years ago it was like shorty 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 and then and I, just now, I yeah. just now only made i just made like i think like 10 like 10 like a collection of 10 parts yeah. and this is what the new you know yeah, i this, saw that yeah yeah this is like the new uh i saw that on your page. deck is gonna look and uh i'm real excited to put these out but then but then it's like i only got 10 <laughs> it's like that sucks i wish i had but, more but you have the formula so if you want to do 10 more yeah if i want to do 10 more then you know i have a jig for for drilling out uh okay so question why not 12 <laughs> uh it's, where does it end well some people say yeah. a, a dozen some people say 13 well let's put it this way like the end mills that i use i can only i can only get 10 okay so that, only get that's 10 the meters. reason because i hear yeah. you say 10 because a lot. if i had an end mill that was rigid enough that was like a foot long i'd make a foot you know like a whole foot of like i just keep you 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 just you plunge every it. cut is like a 16th of an inch deep right you know the depth is only you're you can't cut too too much far you because know, you're plunging and, and yeah, you're plunging yeah. So it's like you can only 
cut like a sixteenth of an inch. And besides that, it's like, you know, like, do I really want like, you know, a hundred of these Jonesies? I'm not going to make all these. May I mean, I'm probably going to make two out of the ten. You know, yeah, but it's yeah, good you will. You'll make all ten. You have to make. I'm, all no, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I have like I'm making right now. I'm making three different shorty sides. Right. So that's three of each, and then a bonus one. Thirty. You know? Yeah. You know, so it's like you know. So I have you know at the end of the at the end of this this uh this little batch, I'll have you know thirty shorty sides. Yeah. Six of which will be brass, and then I'll have to like, you know, break out the you know, break out the oxyacetylene to make a couple of, uh, you know, yeah, brass and steel or yeah. something like that. But yeah, like, yeah, but, but, but getting, getting back to that, like, well, why not, why not 12? Well, that's, that's kind of like where I'm at is like, well, if you're set up and you can make 10, well, like everything's set up, you can make 20. Yeah. But 20 is a pretty low number. Let's kick it to 30, you know, <laughs> just in case some of them don't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but while we're there, why don't we just make 50? So I, you know, you know, made 50 coil decks, you know, yeah. like in December, oh. you know, oh, something okay. like that. I'm like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I have, and then I had a bunch of parts from last year that were, uh, if you look down the, the center profile of a tattoo machine, if you're looking down the center of it, you know, like this way, like, like these guys, these, this is an old bulldog. I mean, you know, older bulldog, and these are like an inch wide, all told, side plate to the in, to the inside right. of the uh, the frame. They're an inch, and then I started thinking, well, you know, I have all these parts, I can make these machines, but I really wanted to like slim up the profile. Yeah. So, uh, I shaved like an eighth of an inch off, and then had to like basically start over. So all the parts that I could have used from last year uh, are now old, and they're just sitting there, and I'm making new stuff, and that's kind of how I always roll. I'm like, oh man, I found like a little improvement. I just throw out everything that I was just doing, you know. Wow. And uh, so I started from scratch again, again, again. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Like I don't know, it's fun to me. You know, like you think of something, you you figure it out, and then you know a week later it's made and it's in your hand. Like how can it be better than that? Like waiting on lead times is a fucking drag. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like working with machine shops, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a full long full casting. Long thing, you know? Have you done then, any casting? Pardon me? Have you done oh, no. any casting? Oh no, no. That's the next I'd love I'd love to make I would love to do that. Um I know that you've always made you you've told me about making boards and stuff like that. And uh that's something I'm very much interested in. Uh a buddy of mine uh that I, you know, Facebook buddy, Joe McVeigh. Uh yeah. I guess he's, he's, he's more known as crazy Joe. I think he's in like just outside of Chicago or something like that. Uh, this guy does like, he's like one of the only people I know that's, that's doing um, investment casting all by himself. And they're incredible. You know, he makes, you know, he makes Jonesies and he makes, uh, and he makes bulldogs and um, you know, he's making the wax. He's, you know, he's, you know, dipping it in the, um, in the ceramic uh, solution. Like he's, he's going for it. Yeah. Stuff like that is like, and he's been doing that for years and nobody, nobody I know is like even interested in doing that themselves. It's such an insane process. You know, it, it takes so many resources to be able to accomplish, you know, making like a brass, you know, tattoo machine and then, you know, make, taking that, taking that and then machining it, you know? Yeah. So there's like, you know, you're the making, process. Like, you're okay. yeah. In Sandcast, you're like, you know, you gotta like, you know, you, you gotta mill off draft angles and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it's such a crazy process that like 
I'm, you know, kind of stuck, not stuck, but like, this is like the thing that I'm trying to master is this prefab sort of uh, way to do things. And then once that's done, that's like, you know, it's just like, you know, a, a right turn, like, and, and I'll, you know, maybe make some cast stuff just yeah. as a, just as another thing to do. Yeah. Well, I would I, love to do that. I would love, like I said, like we, we discussed me coming out to Pittsburgh and like, you know, you have like a little setup and then maybe we can try doing it, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it's never going to work, you know, the first try, the first time you try, no, you know, so fun to try. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you might get it down a little bit and you know, and there there's, but that's what, that's what's so sick about tattoo machines is like, there's so many ways to make them. And like, there's so many people making them and they're making really really fucking cool stuff like there's a lot yeah. of guys making like really awesome stuff no matter how they're making it and you know i don't like i said i'm not a hater i take notes and i'm looking at all this awesome stuff and i'm like yo man i want to make some awesome stuff too yeah. like yo like what's up let's get some you know like let's get this shit let's make some let's make some machines i'm right. super excited i'm like just as excited about making tattoo machines today that i was you know taking that machine apart and fucking up a tattoo with it because i put it back together wrong <laughs> <laughs> you know so, like i'm just as excited about it so i'm trying to think here where where are you at now with your process of machine building and like let's say balancing the tattoo shop and balancing your life like do you have pretty good balance at this point in your life um yeah i mean as balanced as anybody else at this point but yeah. uh, I, I, I just look at it like it's not it's not many things. It's all one thing. Right. You know, you know, tattooing is the same as tattoo machines is the same as painting is the same as, you know, uh, having a daughter, you know, being a husband, being a, a business owner, you know, trying to be a good leader, you know, like things like that. Like those things are all important. And like, you know. I mean, of course there's like, you know, things that you would definitely, I would definitely put in front of tattoo machines, but, sure. uh, you know, there's just, you know, like my whole life is just one thing. I don't really think of it as, as, as a separate thing. It's all the same it's to me. Fun. Like tattooing is like, you know, uh, tattooing is like the actual act of tattooing, you know, uh, there's, you know, painting flash and there's tattoo machines. Those are the things, the three things that I love. And then there's secondary thing, things like, you know, the, the customers, the people yeah. come in and they want tattoos like you know you you treat them with respect you do a good tattoo on them no matter what it is they show you know, they hold their phone up at you and they want to get tattooed and that's what they want and to me it's like i provide a service and that service involves being nice and you know being courteous and those things are important too sure. and uh just like other things like being you know trying to be a good shop owner try not to be a fucking asshole to the people that work here you know, like, you know, trying to set an example for them so they can do good tattoos or like, you know, handle things. So that's like all they have to worry about is tattooing, you know, and like going to work and doing their best, you know, um, all those things are like, just, they're just like one thing, you know, it's like, it's just one tiny little part of the microcosm. Yeah, it's you. Which is my life. Yeah, uh, those things are all important. And like, like I said, there's some things that you, you know, like obviously being, you know, you know, being a family guy and uh, being a husband and all those things are more important, but, you know, one thing can't happen without the other. Right. You know, it's, it's important to me to always put your best foot forward and always be, uh, be upright and honest with people. You know, those are the things that are important, I think.
No, I agree 100%. And you said the shop's doing really strong now. You're super busy. All the stems are coming in. People are going nuts to get booked up. Well, it was like, it was nuts. It was nuts since like, I don't know, before a year ago. You know, before all this stuff, it was like going crazy. And then we got shut down and all that. And then when we came back, it was bananas. Yeah. It was bananas. I mean, like, you know, like, I don't know anybody that was like, you know, not tattooing at that point. I mean, it's November. We were going crazy. Um, that's like, like I said, I had to take a, I had to take a month off. I was like, I can't even do it. <laughs> it's like, I need to, I need to chill with my kid and my wife and I need to make tattoo machines. Right. And, you know, I need to like decompress a little bit. And then, you know, you know, I came back in January and, you know, it was going nuts again. You know, it was like, it was crazy. Uh, I don't, I don't really know any anybody that's tattooing right now that's not losing their mind, you know. When you when COVID first hit last year, last February, late or uh, early March, um, were you go 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 go, and then it was just stop. We had, no we man. Had I like down. we had to we shut, shut down. down. We got shut down. I made pigment for a month. Really, okay. I mixed. 32 colors <laughs> i so lost my kept going dude i don't, I don't stop man like right. i love i love tattooing and that's another thing is like making pigment is like you know it's fucking crazy yeah you do it all you do every yeah. angle of tattooing. i do i do most i mean i don't know like i, I like to be self-contained you know or self-sufficient you know, like you know if to me like you know like you know the the more things that you have like right in front of you that come from you, the better. Like, you know, if uh, if I could make my own needle, if I had time to make my own needles, I certainly would. But you know, trying to find good pins and good bars uh, is another thing. Luckily, I have a really good source for for needles. You know, yeah. all you know, and you know, the the stuff that I use is really really good. So like, I'll I'll use that. And but if that ran out, like, I mean, I have pins from you know twenty years ago. That like, you know, you got to make and solder your own stuff, yeah. but, uh, making pigment, like I just, you know, you know, I, there's, there's not a lot I'm going to say about that, but like, I'll tell right. you this, like I made a shit ton of it, <laughs> you know, awesome. I, up. I had the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, blowing out fucking rainbow boogers for like a week yeah. you know? <laughs> and, uh, I stocked up, you know, because I had the time to do it. Um, and I think after a month of that, like, you know, I was painting a bunch I made, I made like six sheets, you know, and, uh, and that was cool. And I was making a bunch of tattoos. I had, I had just come off of making like a ton of machine stuff because I was getting ready for, uh, the skin industry convention in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which my buddy, Steve Lamack, uh, he runs that one and it's a great show. And, uh, I was getting ready for that. So when I, when I do that convention, I usually sell a bunch of machines. So I was getting ready for that. And then that got canceled. So I'm like, you know, I was like sitting on machines, like, all right, well, I had machines. What am I supposed to do? So I just started making pigment like a mad, like, like a crazy person. And, uh, and then we came back to work and it was chaos again. It was like jumping right back in. Right. You know, only it was like, you know, in our area, uh, I think like, you know, it was like, you know, people were trying to escape, you know, the cities and we're in between, you know, Phil, we were, you know, an hour away from Philadelphia you know, and, you know, maybe three hours from New York City. And Atlantic City is typically a destination, you know, for vacationers in the summertime. 
So people are trying to cut out of the city. So they came down and there's no bars open. The casinos are closed. There's no restaurants open. There's nothing to do except get tattooed. And I was just like, you know, wrong with that? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, they say like make, make hay when the sun's out, yeah. you know? And a, I, I mean, there was a lot of dudes, a lot of tattooers that stayed on unemployment. Yeah. They didn't even come back to work. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, it was nuts. So there was like, like a demand, but not like it, it couldn't be fulfilled because a lot of guys stayed out and a lot of shops were closed. They stayed closed until like August. And we were like, you know, just crushing tattoos, business as usual, you know? And uh, for that, okay. I'm very, I, I feel like I'm very fortunate because, you know, uh, that's, you know, if you, if you've ever gone through like the slow seasons or the slow years of tattooing, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a rough thing to have to go through if you're not like some big name dude, or you're just some regular, regular street shop guy. That's what I am. You know, uh, you know, you're sitting around, you know, twiddling your thumbs and, uh, you know, you, you know, hoping, you know, you can, you know, make some money so you can pay your mortgage and some, you know, you pay your rent or something like that. And if, you know, you, you have a situation where there's like people like the floodgates open up and you're getting, and you're tattooing like every goddamn day, you better like, you know, yeah. buckle up and do it, you yeah. know, get it. So fortunately enough for, for us, that's what like, that's what we did, you know? Yeah. Well, we come from the, the, nineties era of tattooing where there weren't many shops and we were more street shops. We weren't, yeah. we weren't like for myself we didn't specialize in just one thing we did anything somebody walked through the door and want a name we'll do a name somebody walked through the door and they want a mole put on their face we do a mole somebody wants a portrait like you had to adapt to each style right yeah and, of and course it seems to me nowadays people just focus on one style a, a lot of people focus just on one style which there's nothing wrong with that but uh we we understand what it's like to hustle yeah 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 yeah, yeah from that generation street sometimes shop. you had to sell tattoos a lot of times <laughs> you know like i mean that's what it is you're selling tattoos uh if you're a street shop guy that's how it is like you're trying to you know give the best tattoo that the person could have you know sometimes they come in with an idea that's not exactly the greatest idea the greatest placement and it's our job to like steer them in the right direction um but uh, I, I caught the late, I caught the tail end of uh, the nineties and I started, I started apprenticing in 99. Uh, I started tattooing at the end of 99. Um, but uh, I was definitely in the shop for that, that same time. And like you walk in the shop and there's JD Crow flash, there's uh, Adam Kaplan flash, uh, David Bolt flash. Uh, oh God. I mean, when tattoo Johnny came out, there was all that tattoo Johnny stuff. I mean, Cherry Creek, little Vinny, whatever yeah you know all that stuff little Vinny, yeah like all, all that stuff there was like all kinds of really really crazy frank lee like fucking frank lee flash like if yeah, you everywhere frank lee flash, <laughs> oh my Conklin. god we had all the 90s the yeah. hot shots and early 2000s stuff. dude i guarantee i guarantee you Gosh. i did every butterfly on that uh on that uh adam kaplan sheet like every mm -hmm. butterfly had to kanji's kanji's all day i didn't even use a fucking liner so I'll use a five mag. <laughs> just like I wouldn't even lie on man. Two minutes and they're done. You know, like Bing, you're like you know Bing, done, done, done. And I was like, when when I was working, I was working for, uh, you know, I had left the shop that you know I got fired basically from my apprenticeship and uh, tattooed out of my house for a little while, and then, uh, 
I was tattooing for a guy named Keith Titus uh, out in um, uh, Hamilton, New Jersey. And it was out in the middle of like blueberry fields. So he had this little shop and he was crushing tattoos. He was booked up six months and he had this little shop called Exotic Body Works. And I was the first employee there, uh, fresh out of my house. I went and like auditioned for him and did probably did this terrible fucking tattoo. And, uh, you know, he, uh, kind of shaped me and molded me into you know into what I am today because uh he needed a walk-in guy and you know being like some you know little ghetto like skateboard kid I had never seen walk-in money like I never made tattoo money before right. so to me I was like the more walk-ins I do the more money I make you know so I'm like losing it like doing like flash all day long and he's over here doing like sleeves of biomech stuff back pieces of biomech stuff huge tattoos he yeah. was like at that point he had won like all these awards and stuff and i think he won awards when like awards really meant something you know like he's he's winning awards at conventions that were like you know legit like you're actually yeah. being judged by your peers yeah. and uh he's a great dude i mean he's still he's still in business to this day uh over in hamilton and um and that guy you know because he had such a crazy waiting list, he was booked up for six months that like, I was the only dude doing walk-ins for like a 15 mile radius, right. you know, for like years. And I mean, I got kind of booked up too, but I always saved time for walk-ins and stuff. And that was like, it was always important for me to be able to do, I mean, like a little tiny tattoo turns into a sleeve, you know, and then like, and, you so know, much. you do like a small tattoo on something and next on somebody, the next thing you know, you're doing like their whole back. Yeah. you know, or something like that. And he was like really influential for me because the biomech thing was so fucking crazy and nobody did it, you know, like nobody in our area really did it. So I learned how to, uh, you know, kind of visually or mentally map out uh, how to make an arm of biomech. And this is years and years ago, but like, I, I really don't do that stuff anymore, but I can say one of your biomech pieces on my wall. Oh yeah, yeah. You have a painting. Yeah. yeah. I did it for a long time and it was really cool. Um I was real into like, you know, Aaron Kane and, and Guy, of course. There uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to get the light off. Here. It's like 2007, 2008, something like that. You know, it's like a whole a whole arm study, you know. Yeah, that stuff is rad, man. I like to this day. I like I love biomech stuff, and I and uh, I owe a lot to like that style because uh, it it taught me how to focus and really try to like finish things. But at the end of the day, you know, you're starting all these giant biomech pieces on on people that you know run out of money and can't come back. So I think like for me to advance as a tattooer, I started doing more Coleman style tattoos. And uh, I kind of, you know, took it back to basics and started doing more Sailor Jerry, more Coleman style stuff and uh, really focused on my efforts on completing like one like small piece at a time. And uh, because like you have a portfolio full of half, you know, half done tattoos, it doesn't look too good, you know, <laughs> so like having to have having a portfolio full of you know, finished tattoos, you know, even though they're smaller, I think was like uh, it worked to my benefit. Because it's all like what you could do, but uh, getting back to Keith, like and walk-ins and stuff like that, um, yeah, it was it was just insane because like nobody else was doing them, and uh, I think it really set the tone for my tattooing today, and uh, you know, 
I do a lot of big work now, but I, you know, and I'm, you know, you, you buy book up like the middle of the week for bigger stuff, but I always, always, always have time Friday and Saturday for walk-ins. I don't schedule anything. Um, and it's important to be able to do both, you know, I think, you know, and it's okay that like people want to specialize in one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's cool, you know, because like really focusing and honing your skills on one thing is great. But, uh, like you said, we came up at a time where, um, that just was unheard of. There wasn't the amount of tattoo shops, you know, I did so much black and gray, you know, what I, I don't, I don't think I would consider it realism, but like, I would, I would do a lot of illustrative black and gray back in the day. And, um, and now I don't have to, cause there's like, there's dudes that do that shit, like mm-hmm. smoking, like smoking that stuff. Like, you know, and I'm like, just go see Carlos, Carlos Lopez at fat cats in Atlantic city. He's fucking awesome at it. And like, it's to me, it like, it, it, it hurts my brain to look at that stuff. Cause it's so good. You know, I'd much rather like, you know, people come in to me and I'm like, I'll oh, get an Eagle, you know, get, you know, get a Panther head, get a dagger. Those are my favorite things. So you, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, Tony, uh, we're, uh, our time is uh, shortening, but I did want to uh, catch up. Uh, one person was asking about uh, tattoo conventions and uh, maybe, I don't know if you each want to relay your, uh, you know, first tattoo convention story, or maybe your first interesting tattoo convention story. And then um, we are going to, this is going awesome, but we're going to have to leave, uh, we'd have to leave them wanting more because, um, yeah, like I said, but this is awesome. This is great. So the interesting tattoo convention story as far as machines or chaos. Your pick. You want to go first, Greg? Or you? Because I got a lot. Uh, I don't really know, man. I don't know. There's certainly been a lot of really good shows over the years. Uh, the I think the first show that I ever did was uh, drawing the wild card. It's now called the Atlantic City Tattoo Expo. And uh, that show was put on by my good friend, John Henderson and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Mark Fairchild. And I think the first time I, the first time they had it was maybe 2004 at the Atlantic city uh, tattoo uh, convention center. And Keith, my old boss, he got, he got a booth, but we were supposed to get a double booth, but uh, I guess they got their wires crossed and we ended up having this booth off to the side. It was near like the main stage or something. And, I remember tattooing and listening to, you know, Motley Crue's kickstart my heart fucking a million times that day. And to this day, I can't stand that song. Yeah. The only thing that I remember was like, you know, this monitor speaker fucking blasting kickstart my heart yeah. every 20 minutes. I didn't hear any other. It was, it was insane. And uh, I think that was a cool show. There was, there was certainly a lot of good, uh, really good guys that I met at that show. Um, and I was at, you know, I was at a point where I was like very immature in like my tattooing and in, in life and, you know, probably, you know, made a, you know, a, a drunken spectacle, spectacle of myself, possibly, maybe, who knows. Sounds but I mean, right. like, you know, it was very easy <laughs> to do that in that sort of environment, you know, like you're hanging out, you know, being a, uh, you know, complete fucking dodo bird outside your element. And it's like, you know very easy to like lose your mind in places like that that is my first convention story uh big up to keith big up to uh uh john henderson and, and uh mark fairchild i think terry manning had something to do with that one also in the very beginning um but uh they run a great show to this day they're 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 uh 
making that show happen again at the Hard Rock Casino in Atlantic City in November sometime. Uh, if you're in Atlantic City around that time, it's like the beginning of November. It's a very, very good show. I'm very excited to see it at the Hard Rock this year. Uh, it's a new venue for them. And they certainly put a lot of work into making a very, very cool show for people. So check that out. Yeah, you go. I know you got better shoot. You got a better story than just kicks. Uh, it depends what kind of story they're all looking for. I got tons yeah. of stories. Hey, I traveled with Skyver for a decade. So I have some, uh, dude, you know, Skyver. Hit, let me tell you something. Stories. Don't ever hit that. Uh, don't ever hit that uh, deer antler that he has. No, I don't do any of that. Or do. <laughs> I don't do any of that anyhow. So many crazy space stories came out of that deer antler. <laughs> One of my favorite stories is 19, about 1994. There was a show. It was Lexington, Kentucky. It was Bo Dean. He did, uh, I forget the name of the show, but I went there with uh, Jungle Jimmy. He was from Jersey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jimmy. I know Jimmy, yeah. And, we worked uh, in Wildwood together. I met a dude named Shaky James. He was from uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico there. And we did this show, and it, 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 we were Eastern boys, and they didn't really take to the like the biomech and stuff. We were doing everything was pretty traditional down there. Yeah, and uh, it, it was just back in our heyday. I figure I was about twenty four years old. I'm fifty one now, and I used to drink and party, and I did all that stuff. I'm, I don't do any of that anymore, by the way. But uh, we got all hammered up. And we decided after the floor closed, and these were these were back when conventions were wild, like the boombox battles and the loud music, and everybody's fucking naked, and it's yeah. it's just insanity. It was just a party. We would just wreck hotel rooms and just be idiots. We were kids. We thought we were rock stars back then, but yeah. uh, we ended up stealing the piano from the bar. There was about eight of us. We put it on the elevator and took it up to the third floor, rolled it down the hallway. <laughs> put it in our hotel room and then invited everybody off the floor into our room and partied all night so there's a knock at the door about three in the morning and we're like oh fuck they know we stole the piano so everybody lines up in front of this piano and we open the door and there's security he's like hey somebody said there's um piano music coming out of this room do you guys have a piano in here and everybody's standing lined up in front of it so you can't see it and we're like no, there's no piano in here, dude. We don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, oh, okay, later. <laughs> Shuts the door. And we're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? Awesome. And uh, um, Necro Mike and his wife had a room down the hallway about eight doors down. We're blitzed. We rolled a piano out and just slammed it in front of their door and took off. And you can see, like, as we're jumping into the room, we look back and their door is opening and someone's peeking out, like, the fuck is this piano doing in front of my room so that's one of the funnier stories that, that is awesome. a way better story than kickstart your heart blaring every time yeah. so uh, so now that that precedent has been set tony you want to tell us about your uh, tattoo convention and then we'll uh, close out the show yeah we just confirmed the dates me and elizabeth actually um i don't have the dates here but it's the last weekend in july of 2022 it's the rubber city it's going to be the first this is a rubber city tattoo convention in downtown akron at the uh john s knight convention center and uh that uh that should be a good time it's, it's going to be the first one it would have been the third one we had it scheduled for 2020 but then COVID hit so we you know it kind of threw a loop in things 
and uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Um, we're gonna we're gonna vamp all the socials and uh, the websites in the next couple months here and get things rolling again. I know Gabe, you're coming out. You're gonna be doing seminars. Hopefully, we can get Greg out there too. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking excited. I've uh, got everything already planned. We already had all the descriptions. It's like one of the f few times I got all the descriptions and shit ahead of time because you were, uh, or maybe it was your partner that was leaning on me. I was like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> She's good at what she does, man. She's a PR girl. She's awesome. awesome. And uh, people will know that if they try to uh, steal the pianos, they'll be secured for a reason. Why would you have free pianos there so people would just take them up to the room? Actually, the hotel that it's in is beautiful. It was all just redone. But we'll get that and we'll trickle that info out as soon as we can. Um, if anybody's looking to contact me, I am at T Urbanic Machines on Instagram or Tony Urbanic on Instagram. Greg is Veritas MFG. Is it at Greg Veritas MFG? Where can people contact you, Greg? Say one of the or tattoos. You can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is just uh, VeritasMFG. Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Is that you want some machines? I make a machine. No big whoop. <laughs> yeah, any last words for ins inspiring machine builders? Yeah, uh, you know. With wisdom. I don't know, man. Like, work with what you have first. You know, if you have a if you have an old Spalding frame or an old National frame, an old Papillon frame, you know, like anything really, even an old Chinese frame, like you know, make some stuff, put it together, you know, make a line with it. Watch how bad it is. You know, how, <laughs> look at how terrible your 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 shit's coming out, and then make improvements and make it look cool. That's what I did. You know, like put that shit together, tattoo some stuff. It's like very simple, you know, that's the only way you're going to get good at it. I mean, I'm not the best at it, but I work on it, you know, like, you know, you just, you keep going, you know, refine, refine, refine. That's what my mentor told me. You know awesome. who that is? Focus. Not obsession. Definitely appreciate everybody's time. So let's see, St. Patrick Coste says, uh, thank you guys. I think he's up in, uh, in Canada. We've got a SJ says, this is so awesome to listen in on. Uh, she kind of wants to steal a piano now. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Thanks for sharing. You definitely have to be because as we know, uh, all the FBI has to do is type in stolen piano. They're going to listen to all of the conversations that have happened anywhere in the universe about <laughs> stolen pianos and all of a sudden facial recognition software. So uh, no more piano stealing from here on out. We have to come up with other alternative activities so thanks again if people are watching on the youtubes go check out the podcast if you're listening on the podcast go check out the youtubes check out uh, these fellas and then uh yeah now's the time to like wave into the camera and smile while i click the uh, goodbye button thanks everyone. next month everybody peace